Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. Welcome along to this episode, which marks the beginning of a new era in the Top Flight Time Machine story. This is the beginning of the Roy of the Rovers Odyssey. Or are we going to call it the the Melchester Odyssey? Mm, no, I think call it Roy the Rovers Odyssey or the Melchester Deep Dive. The Melchester Deep Dive. We haven't got a title for it then, have we? We should have thought of one before. It's part of our deep dive series. Yeah. You've had a deep dive into both Roy Keane's biographies. You've had a deep dive into Kevin Keegan's autobiography. And now we are deep diving into a compilation of some of Roy of the Rovers' uh, comic strips from the early 80s, which were compiled in a book that was published... um, When was this published? In 2008. Yeah. It was published in 2008, and I picked it up uh, maybe a few years later in a second-hand bookshop. On the Suffolk coast. That's where I personally encountered this. Well, there we are. A lot of detail there. And when I first got it, I, you know, it brought back so many memories of reading Roy the Rovers. And and on our main free podcast, we've been doing a lot of stuff about fantasy universes. And we've discovered that so many of the cunters, like ourselves, had sort of parallel footballing worlds going on in our imaginations. Sometimes we would play them for real. Sometimes we would just think about it. Sometimes we would do drawings of it. But I realise, looking back through this book now, so much of it was influenced by yeah. Roy of the Rovers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this this book, it says on the front, uh, the best of Roy of the Rovers, the 1980s. But when you get into it, it's actually, they've just put together all of the Roy of the Rovers strips from hmm. late 1980 through to early 1982. <laughs> there's, none of the, there's nothing else after that. And there wasn't a sequel or anything like that. So no. it mustn't have sold very well. So um, no, no, well, exactly. But, you know, it's a, for, for those of us who remember these strips... It's a trip down memory lane, and it's funny, but it's also moving and nostalgic. For younger cunters and younger members of the Iron Filing Society who will be listening to this, you might need a bit of context. Basically, this was a comic that came out weekly, and the comic was called Roy the Rovers, and the main strip in the comic, the main story, was the story of Roy Race, who played for Melchester Rovers, widely regarded as the greatest club in the world. And he was player-manager. Yeah. Now, by the time I was reading it in the 80s, he was player-manager. But I think the strip had been going since the 1950s, 1950s. when Roy Race was... So it was sort of like it played with time and space a mm. little bit in as much as he was always roughly around the same age. He didn't really age. Um, but the comic, which we might go into in, in later, ish, later editions of this... 
the comic had a number of different football stories. So it was a comic like any other, like the Dando or the Beano, the Dandy or the Beano, but every story in it was about football. And actually, none of them were funny. They were all fairly serious. Yeah. So there was, for instance, Billy's Boots, about a young man who found some old boots belonging to a legendary goal scorer from yesteryear. Dead whenever Keen. Yes, Deadshot Keen. And whenever Billy put these boots on, Billy was just a boy who played for his school team and stuff. But when he put these boots on, everyone would laugh at him and tease him because they were very old-fashioned boots. But he would always miraculously score loads yeah. of goals. So um, I can't remember all of the others, but well, it was, was, br- it was also, a brilliant read. There, there was Mighty Mouse, who was Kevin Mouse, who was a massive fat bloke. Well, a small fat bloke, really. He was almost spherical, and he wore glasses, yeah. and he worked part-time as a hospital porter, but somehow yeah. he was also a brilliant footballer. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but <laughs> Yeah, did. I do remember that. And sometimes there was cross fertilization <clears throat> as well, because there was a bloke, I can't remember what it was called, but I, I, all I remember about the lad was he was called Darren something, and he had quite long black hair. And he was playing in non-league and he had his own strip and it was about his journey from just playing in a works team to getting into a non-league team to eventually getting into like a lower division team. And, you know, he was like this sort of overnight star who just, you know, somehow worked his way up. Yeah. And uh, eventually he got spotted by Roy Race in a cup game Ah. and signed for Melchester Rovers. So then they ended that kid's comic strip yeah. and just incorporated him into, into the Royal so Royals. it was very much Genius. an entire universe and nowadays obviously everyone's got football management games and FIFA and so on and so forth and you create your own narratives in those but back when we were lads this was a fantastic portal into a world into a fantasy footballing galaxy and the best story within it was definitely the story of Roy the Rovers wouldn't you say? Um, yeah I mean, this this comic for me, this used to be my everything, you know, mm. for this to yeah. land on the doormat on a Wednesday, yeah. Thursday morning, whenever it was, it was like, couldn't wait to get into it and devour the whole thing cover to cover. Yeah, and then Simpler you're sort of times. gutted. You're gutted when it's over. And funnily yeah. enough, rereading them today, the, the Roy Race stories last about three pages, four maximum each week. Mm. And, of course, we can just read through multiple of these. They're, they're, you know, it's a continuous narrative. But I was thinking, nowadays, we all are into, like, Netflix box sets and all the rest of it, right? And you just take it for granted that you watch an episode of something, you enjoy it, it ends on a cliffhanger, the next episode immediately starts. You get that immediate gratification. But with Roy the Rovers, they tend to end every week on a cliffhanger. Very often it's during a match, and there's a cliffhanging moment in the match. And it ends... And you have to wait for the net for it to drop on your doormat in seven days' time. So the excitement that you felt when it arrived that morning on your doormat is counterbalanced by the deep sense of sorrow and frustration <laughs> that follows almost... I mean, you know, it'd only take you half an hour to read the whole thing. I mean, and when that half an hour's done, you've gone from it being the happiest day of the week to the saddest day of the week. Yeah. Because you think, oh, no, the, a whole seven days to wait for my next comic. The first the first ones we're going to look at in this book uh, cover a particular match, and they t- mm. it takes four weeks to get through the match. Yeah. It takes you a yeah, month yeah. to read all about this match they're going to play. And in a way, it's an inconsequential match, really. Yeah, exactly. Well, don't give too much away yet, but no. yeah, I know what you mean. Shall we get stuck well, in, in it? In this, but is it worth talking about the other things? In but it's got a great foreword by Gary Lineker, 
I, it's got, I wasn't really asked about that. Was it good? All right, well, it's got, I'm not going to go for it all, but it, <laughs> Gary Lineker says a lot of the things that we just said right, about okay. how it, you know, it meant a lot to him. And there's a cracking picture of Gary Lineker in a red Leicester away kit from ah, the early right, yeah. 80s with a long shaggy haircut. Um, so that's good. And then they have a little bit on the weird-looking gentleman called Tom Tully, who who drew the strips painstakingly yeah. every week. It was a bit like an Elton John and Bernie Taupin type um, situation. It was Tom Tully who actually wrote the stories, yeah. and then he would send the script, as he called it, to a man called Dude. David Skew. Yeah. Surname spelled S-Q-U-E. Alarm bells? Well, Slightly. maybe. And he sends them to his to, to David Skew, who works at his home in Paul Dorset. Yeah. More alarm bells. <laughs> and then you see David Skew and the alarm bells feel like they were justified. He, let's, I mean, the simplest way of putting it is David Skew looks like a murderer. But, but that's yeah. probably unfair because actually... Well, I don't know whether he was a murderer or not. I think almost well, certainly he's, not. He's operating under a pseudonym anyway, obviously, because Skew's not a real name. My um, name, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> David. Oh, let's see now. Skew, <laughs> Skew. I spell that. S K E W. No, 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 no. I actually spell it uh, the Dutch way, which is S Q U E. Doesn't sound very Dutch. Well, you know it what? fucking is. My dad was Dutch. It's, don't don't <laughs> fucking go looking it up. I never knew him. Right, so, okay, well, I've looked at your drawings and they look fantastic. When can you start collaborating with me at my offices here in London? What? No, 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 no that's not going to work at all. You Write down the words that you want and send them to me because I, I operate out of my workshop in Paul Dorset. You've got to post them. Put them in the post. So we're going to have to do this about a month in advance. Stick them in the post and just send them here because I operate out of this and I'm... I'm not comfortable leaving a, my workshop. And at the bottom so of the page, just send a picture, them here. There's a picture of his workshop, a photo of his workshop. He appears to be drawing in the dark. Uh, yeah. it's, it's nighttime, and to the right of him, he's got a television set up. So he which he's there. looking at whilst drawing. Yeah, I've got to say, <laughs> the artwork in these comics was as much as a part of the appeal as the stories and the characters. Yeah. It, there was, there's something so exciting about... I mean, I still to this day, when I am doing anything, when I'm on the phone to someone or I'm interviewing someone on the radio even, I will, if you look at any pad in front of me, I'm constantly doodling footballers. <laughs> That's what I do. And, and it's a habit I picked up back when I was a kid from reading Roy the Rovers because I found it... So exciting, the imagery of these players in motion, you yeah. know, the dynamic way in which they were drawn. And they're absolutely beautiful. And, I, you know, I've never been able to draw as well as that. But I've always drawn footballers in motion. There's something exciting about it. Uh, not in a gay way, if that's what you're thinking. There's nothing not, wrong with that. If nothing you're doing a gay nothing way. wrong with that. If you, but, you know, you, you, I'm not suggesting... you to tie yourself up in knots here, Sam. I, what I'm just... not saying... This is what I'm not saying. In fact, we should make this a regular item on the show. This is what I am not saying, where I just explain in advance of saying something what I'm definitely not saying. Yeah, right. You've you've lost me to be honest. I just want to get. If there was a, if there was a gay, I'm not saying that gay guys would be 
aroused by reading Roy the Rovers because that is a pathetic sort of well, characterization. There's lots of, of athletic homeless. men with yeah, they might some might be and some might not be. Just as heterosexuals aren't all turned on by the same thing, the same goes for homosexuals. We cannot assume that all homosexuals. I mean. In the homosexual community, there is all different sorts of... There's tribes, isn't there? There's bears, there's Twinkies, mm. and there's others whose names I forget. And Doctor Puppers, Who fans. probably. Don't know. Right. Um, What's this episode again? This is Roy the Rovers, isn't it? Roy the Rovers. Yeah, right. So, we... we're, so the guy, David Skew, draws it. The, the drawings are great. Let's just fucking pile into what's going <laughs> Let's on. Let's get into it. Right, the, yeah. first, the first one, it's uh, ep- it's the edition from 20th of September 1980. Uh, every Monday, it says, so that must have been when it came out. Uh, 14 pence. Well, that feels quite expensive for 1980. But, you know, I wasn't mm. paying for it. My parents were, so fuck them. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Just get it fucking bought. <laughs> oh, I'm smashing this house up again. I'm going to have another one of my tantrums. I can feel it coming on. <laughs> Where's me Roy of the Rovers? It's ah! Monday. Why's it not here? <laughs> ah, I'm going to make everyone's life hell. <laughs> I'm not going back into that home. <laughs> I don't care. Go and live with my nan. <laughs> <laughs> so right and at the top of that cover it says booklet pages final part today don't know what that booklet was no um, don't know maybe I've I've got loads of editions of Royal the Rovers that I bought off eBay years ago so I might have this one somewhere so I might be able to deep dive into that at some point anyway Royal the Rovers it's the beginning of the new season uh, it says Melchester Rovers have made a useful start to the new English soccer season after spending the summer break on the island of Crete Crete seems to feature largely in Royal... I just seem to remember they always seem to be holidaying in Crete. So I don't know whether Tom Tully, the writer, mm, had, had a, a, a fondness for Crete and just always kept dropping in the, the stories. But, um, yeah, there's a supervised training session going on. Uh, Jerry Holloway has slipped and he's collided with one of the staves. Now, a stave, mm. what would you describe a stave as? Well, it's just the pole. It's a pole, isn't it? Put, it's a pole that you stick in the ground. Yeah, for tra- and, and in round. training, you dribble in and out of the poles. Yeah. I would call it a pole. And until I read this, I'd never heard the term stave before. It sounds no. kind of medieval. But there we are. There's a lot of medieval language in this. But this mm. is Jerry Holloway who's gone down. It says he's the team boffin. Mm. Um, and Jerry, Jerry, the swat. Jerry's been attended to. By the uh, by, the physio Taffy Morgan, and yeah. uh, he says it's the same ankle I crocked during that trip to the Samaria Gorge, Roy. It's gone again. <laughs> What's he doing going to the Samaria Gorge? Well, because Roy would have arranged some cultural expeditions That's while they're fine. in Crete. That's fine, but they've got to be safe. Safety has got to come first and foremost, Sam. Well, he's learned his lesson. He's gone fucking gorge walking in Crete. During the summer. And another thing, the whole team have gone together on holiday to Crete. It's no, there was no, it was a football. There was a, there was they were there for football. Well, I don't know. First first panel there says they spent the summer break on the island of Crete. It sounds to me as if they've gone off the day after the end of the season and they've just been in Crete for two months. Well, they might. They definitely, because it references it shortly, it, they definitely did play some matches while they were well, out there. Of course they did. But maybe it was just a holiday where there happened to be some football 
between cultural it's expeditions a, and who knows what the fuck else they were up to. But as as Roy says, as Holloway goes down, oh no, that holiday on Crete is turning out to be costly business. Yeah. Well, you fu- it was your fucking idea, Roy. Yeah. You're fucking obsessed with Crete. Get there every opportunity you want. You, you oh, can. I tell you what, though, Blackie, it's a cracking island, isn't it? <laughs> you get- oh, fuck me. The sun, the, the beaches are first class, better than anywhere I've been. And the food, well, I mean, I don't know if you like spicy stuff. It's actually not that spicy, to be honest. I like it. The wife, <laughs> Penny, she's she doesn't like it she's that much, but I don't care. She'll just have an omelette. I'll be on the kebabs and that, she'll have an omelette. But, you know, it's all good. Because, you know, it just plays havoc with her guts. <laughs> Blackie, let me ask you something. Uh, do you know what an olive is? Oh, no, no boss, I no, can't say I do. Well, nor did I until I went to Crete. It is a fucking sensational taste sensation. But i tell you this, though. is what you've got to do. You've got to eat nine of them in a row before you get the taste for them. Because if you don't, at first, your first two or three, it tastes fucking awful, and you'll want to just fucking tip them on the floor. But no, you've got to have nine, and then you get it, right? That's how you do it. You've got that when you first start smoking fags. Yeah. Same principle. Have nine, and then you're on... It's like riding with stabilisers. Once you've had nine fags, you're all right. You're, you're riding freewheeling. But there's black olives and there's green olives. The black ones, they're a bit fucking, you know, a bit shifty. But the green <laughs> ones, they're great. Start on the green ones, progress to the black ones. That's what I say. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit like, you know, the green ones are like just having a normal B&H, right? When you're talking about blacks... That's more like if you're on the John Player specials or even a cigar. Or one of them French fags. What are they called? Fucking gitans. Gitan. Yeah, like them. Jalapeño. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jalapeño. So uh, the injuries are piling up, says Blackie. You're telling me, Blackie, says Roy. Apart from Jerry, Mervyn Wallace and Jimmy Slade are still out. Len Peters is down with a heavy cold. These are fucking good names, aren't they? Yeah, solid names. That's the other thing about Roy the Ravers. The fucking names for the players were unbelievable. Blackie Gray is Roy's best mate. He plays in the team, but he's very much his consigliere and confidant, isn't he? We should say if you you know you obviously don't have this in front of you, and you're a youngster. Blackie Gray is a white man, so <laughs> just so you know, because they're you know this is these are very much different times. And even mm. though this was aimed at kids, you will see right in the beginning 
there is different times type material all the way through. Yeah. I mean, the, the coach, for instance, or the, or the physio, Taffy, um, Taffy is is a Welshman. Yeah, so obviously, I mean, there's not there's there's very few foreigners. There's one foreigner basically in the Melchester squad. And that's Paco Diaz. Yeah, uh, but, but that was about. I mean, even in this era, in the first division, as it was. Yeah. You know that that would have been about right. In fact, most teams, even having one, would have been quite exceptional, yeah, exactly. wouldn't it? So it's quite forward thinking. But the home nations are all represented, as you say, Taffy Morgan, uh, Duncan Mackay, the left back there as well. Yeah. So um, th- there might be an Irishman. I can't remember. We might come across him. And there's also a man with silver hair in goal. The keeper, Charlie yeah, Carter. We'll, we'll get on to him because <clears> he yeah, plays we'll, quite a big we'll, role we'll in this. In, in the next he's match. Got silver hair. Um. So. so He's got this injury crisis yeah. and he's thinking, fuck's sake, they all got injured in Crete and they've yeah. all come back out of shape because it was a fucking jolly, right? It was hardly a fitness holiday, right? They come back, he's got a fucking crisis looming. He's thinking, how am I going to get the team together for the first day of the season? And uh, he goes out into the car park, doesn't he? Yeah, and to he look sees, for players. He sees two lads um, with really quite fashionable clothes for the time on. They're both yeah. wearing sort of bell-bottom jeans and sort of sexy disco shirts is how I would describe hairstyles them. as well. Really amazing hairstyles. And it turns out it's two young lads from the youth team. Yeah. Um, and he and he says to them, he sees them and he says, Steve, Mark, I want a word of you. And what they're doing in the car park, it's hard to tell, but they've got, they're both bent over. Once they're just in the car park outside training ground, in their in their going out. What I would say is going out clothes. These they're are Friday the night clothes. clothes. They're in the disco clothes, aren't they? they these are Friday night going out on yeah. the pool clothes, right? You can smell the Paco Raban just from here, just from looking at it. And they've got one's got a fucking shovel, the other one's got a rake, right? So they're they're doing some digging, which of course we respect. Is it, a, is it looks like a brush? Yeah, then then then, then well. also they've got a wheelbarrow full of I don't know what rubble. Well this is it. They're, they're sweeping stuff up, whatever they're sweeping up has filled an entire wheelbarrow. And this is just yeah. in the corner of the car park. <laughs> and then on top of that, and remember we are talking about either a concrete or what, asphalt surface, yes. would you say? Yes. Right? But they've got a roller, one of those rollers, massive roller. one that you use for flattening things. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really for flattening grass, unless yeah. it's unless they're doing a bit of tarmac. This is chaos. But either, but even if they are, <laughs> even if they are tarmacking, again, you've got to go back to these clothes they're wearing. It's like it's the middle of the day. They're in their going out gear, and they're fucking. They've dug a hole in the car park, and now they're tarmacking over it. This and Roy sweet... Race, the manager, catches them, and I think he's going to go, "Fuck, hey, you two! What the fuck? What the fuck's going on here? It's oh, just fuck me! Here comes, here comes the gaffer. He's fucking blown our tickle here, right? What, I mean, it what would you describe that... it as? What are they? Is it just stuff? I it think. Up? I I don't know, but it looks like, and whether this, they were pissed up or what, they've gone into the fucking players' car park where the first team park their cars, and for some reason, Andy, they have fucking tried to dig a hole. I don't know why. I don't know why, but it must have been on a whim because they're not. 
and they've tried to dig a hole. I reckon they were pissed and they tried yeah. to dig a hole. Like maybe yeah, they yeah. thought there was something precious down there or who knows what. <laughs> or is it more, more likely it might have been a prank on one of the first teamers. Maybe, maybe. And, and then, then they woke up the next morning and realised what they'd done. They thought, we bet, fuck me, we better get down there and cover this mess up before anyone mm. finds out. So they fucking tipped up early the next day while the plate while they think the first team are busy training with a wheelbarrow, a shovel, a brush and a roller. Get it swept up. <laughs> well, in the picture, it looks like Roy's fucking they look like they're shitting themselves when he shouts across the car. Hey! You two, what the Steve, fuck? Mark, I wanna worry you. Oh yeah, Gaffer, sorry about that. Um what it was was, right? Uh someone Someone dropped a really heavy weight, you know, like the ones you get in cartoons. And it, what it did was it smashed. It smashed the tarmac. And we thought maybe, you know, it would be best if we tidied up the mess, even though it wasn't us who made it. <laughs> we just thought us as apprentices, this is kind of what we do. Cleaning boots and sweeping up fucking stuff. Rubble. When it rubble. appears. Rubble. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll put this rubble to good use. We'll probably make it into something else. But anyway... He's not interested in reprimand. He, he just sort of ignores the fact that they're doing it's this like weird, weird bit of construction. He just ignores that. He's like, great. You two. Do you want to play in the first team on Saturday? Yeah. You can and join what? the seniors for a yeah. spot of training. You're both in the first team against Carford City on Saturday. Not That's not great man management. Because no, it's what not, you is should it? say... Is listen. You've got a chance. We're a bit short. Yeah. Train, tra- train with us. We'll see how you get on. Yeah. Right. So then they don't know. But he's saying it's a come and train with us, and you're both definitely starting on Saturday either way. I don't think that encourages them to train hard and keep their feet on the ground. No, exactly. And the one with blonde hair, I'm not sure if he's Steve or Mark, but he just punches the air and shouts, "Woohoo!" <laughs> so he's. <laughs> I mean, he's the one. He looks a bit. Um, He's the one with the fucking fancy hair. Yeah. He's, he's got a touch of the Frank McAvenny's about yeah, him, he hasn't he? Yeah, he has a bit of Yeah, a bit of Rod Stewart as well. He'll yeah. be the one that shouts oh, about it's just a wee bit of Charlie. Yeah. He's like, wahoo! Imagine that. Imagine that, right? <laughs> this, is a ser- this is a big fucking football club, right? This is like Real Madrid standard football club. He's a grown man. Imagine someone who's like on the verge of first team at Real Madrid. Zidane comes up to him and goes, hey, you, uh, you're in the first team for Real Madrid at the Bernabeu on Saturday and you just go you don't go I'm honoured I'm touched yeah I'm ready for this believe me I am ready and I will not let you down you go wahoo (laughs) (laughs) if you're the manager you go actually I've immediately changed my mind you're clearly a child and uh, (laughs) I renounce this uh, this decision so yeah they're in the team um and they they run out against Carford City. Is it Carford City? It is, isn't yeah. it? Um, and this is the first time where we see the crowd, who are mm. basically the Greek chorus in this, the crowd, uh, mm. members of the crowd tell us what's going on. Uh, so we've got one, one fan saying, it's the same team that beat the Cretan champions, with the exception of that Greek kid who turned out for the Rovers. So they've obviously, <laughs> when they've been over there, they've found some Greek kid and given him a game. Bobby Dissendat. Yeah. But they haven't brought him back. There must have been admin problems, you know, yeah, visas was, and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, there have been so. visas. It was a tantalising hint at what happened in the previous stories over the summer, which yeah. we'll have to go back and look at at some point. We will. So never mind. Um, so Roger Dixon is playing in his place, says the other fan. 
And then a, vo- a voice in the crowd says, it's a crucial game for Melchester. If they get thrashed, <laughs> well, I don't know why they'd get thrashed, like it's Melchester. Mm. If they get thrashed, Roy will know he can't rely on his present crop of reserves because that's how football fans talk, isn't it? To yes. each other. Yeah. Well, he- this will be a recurring theme yes, that you'll get will. used to, yeah. is that the crowd play this important role. You see speech bubbles coming out of faceless members of the yeah. crowd. And describing the action and giving... It's sort of like commentary, really. And it's a good device to sort of keep the story going. But um, these football fans are very, very, very verbose. Oh, they've got too much to fucking see, haven't they? They really speak in long sentences. And when you think this is the early 80s, which was really the peak era of football hooliganism, Mm. um, it was a time in which most children, families, decent people... Stayed away from Swerved football grounds football altogether, didn't because they? Yeah. it was it was a dangerous yeah. place to be, and those who were there were very inebriated yes. a lot of the time, yep. and a lot of them wouldn't be the most articulate people. But these fucking people at Melchester Rovers, don't worry about them. They are fucking. Clearly. It's like they've got Peter Euston off in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> so Roger Dixon, who's coming in place of the Greek kid, uh, is the super sub. Named mm. because he has a habit of coming and scoring vital goals, um, and he plays a uh, Roy plays a great ball through to Dixon Alan Lynch, another fantastic name there. He's powering through in support. Mm. Dixon knocks the ball on, Lynch hits it on the run, and the keeper palms it away for a corner. Uh, a voice in the crowd says, "Ooh, a great save from the city keeper!" In that style that football fans do. Uh, <laughs> So, Melchester Rovers have got a corner, and Vic Guthrie, who is the right back and is the super brat of the team, he's basically the cunt. He's the Tommy Smith, if you yeah. like, of the yeah. team. Uh, he's got he's got red hair as well, which obviously, you know, I'm you can tell he's got a bad temper because he's yeah. red yeah. red haired, fiery. fiery. Yeah. Uh, Roy beckons to Vic Guthrie. To come up for the corner. I mean, you know, you'd have thought they'd have had set pieces worked out on the training ground in advance. You would, you would have thought that, but the thing is, is that this is Roy the Rovers. And they're doing it on and, the hoof. Uh, yeah, and also it's like he's the player manager, so his attitude is what's the point? I don't need. Yeah, a lot of managers have to spend a lot of time <laughs> training their players so they know what to do when they're out on the pitch, but I save a bag of time because <laughs> I am on the pitch. So they don't need to know because I'll just tell them yeah. at the time. That's his That's his way of doing it. He's beckoning. So they don't practice set pieces or anything nah. like that. He's beckoning Vic Guthrie to come up and the crowd yeah. says, Roy wants our super brat to come up for the corner. He must be hoping for an early goal to help the team settle down. But Roger Dixon, super sub, also wants a goal. And there's a thought bubble coming out of Roger Dixon's head. As the ball comes in, it's literally a second away from Dixon's head and he thinks... With all these injuries flying around, a good performance today could clinch my place in the squad for the rest of the season. <laughs> that, that thought flashes through his head as the ball's a second away. Yeah. So uh, Dixon goes up and wins the header, but at the same time, Vic Guthrie also goes up and they've collided in midair. Guthrie Silly goes, cunts. ah! Dixon goes, Oof! Um, And they're on the ground. The, and they're both... They land in a heap, don't shaking they? Shaking their fist at each other. Mm. Uh, Guthrie says why you clumsy idiot Dixon <laughs> Dixon says oh come on I haven't got eyes in the back of my head <laughs> come on get real 
<laughs> and uh, the voices in the crowd, one says, and now they're arguing, Super Brat versus Super Sub. And he's passed hey. What a great start to the season this is. And that's so where we the have the cliffhanger. The game's not going that well. Now, that is the end of the first strip. Mm. Um, and they, they're good the way they... I really admire the way that these strips are put together because the first scene was always on the front cover of the comic and it was big and dramatic mm. and it roped you in, didn't it? Not every and then week when it wasn't, I don't think. I don't think it was oh, Royal Rumble every week. Other different ones. But yeah. if it was a big story, you'd have the first page of the... It would be a splash. Yeah. And then when you turn inside and find the story, they always have a, a line at the top below the title that sort of hints at what's to come. Yeah. A lot of these techniques of keeping an audience sort of hooked Mm. um, have been used on American TV to this day. Coming up. Yeah. On the Kardashians and all of that, right? Now, don't we? Yeah. That that constant throw forward, look back, throw forward, look back, tease, just to keep an audience's attention span going. But, you know, in the early 80s, this was not commonplace in Britain, right? These are... What you switch on telly? What was on? Probably the highest rated show of this era is fucking Ivor the Engine. Yeah, right. They they didn't have a clue about this stuff, but the cunts making more of the Rovers. They, they, their they time. begin it with a little hint. So, for instance, this week it says Roy saw the solution to his problem. Dot 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 in yeah. the officials' car park. Now at that stage, you don't know about these two young lads digging the hole in the car park. But you fucking think that's interesting. I want to find what's out why. Yeah. At but- the end, they t- they tease up what's coming the next week. So we know that there's this row going on between two of the players, and it says next week, and it just says in in quote marks, kind of cryptically, "Come on, Melchester, this is rubbish." And yeah. you're like, "Oh, it's going to get worse." Yeah. But here is the best part of the end of every strip of Royal <laughs> the Rovers. You know what I'm going to say? Yeah. This is an amazing touch. In the corner, right in the corner, right at the end of this strip, they just, every week, it says, my marks out of 10 for this story. And then there's a little yellow triangle where you write in a number <laughs> yeah. out of 10 for the quality yeah. of the story. You don't, what you, you don't, do with that, I don't know. They don't tell you to send it no, in. No, you don't cut it out, send it in. It's not a vote. You don't share it, it with anybody. Just for the, you, the, yourself. It, it, and again, different times, because nowadays... People's opinion. People have opinions, and they all put a huge value upon their own opinions, don't they? Yeah. Everyone thinks I because they've got the capacity to share it. Fuck yeah! Back, Social back media. Then, no one was going around listing. I'm going to tell you the top five ever. <laughs> Roy the Rovers storylines. Yeah. And you think I don't care if they did? You'd think I don't care. Now that's normal. You'll have some cunt on Twitter saying that about everything. Now, what does everyone think about the new series of Killing Eve? Mm. Fuck off. I don't, not only do I not care what you think, I don't care what I think. <laughs> I don't care what I think. How about that? But this is a lovely touch. How many um, it, marks out of ten would you give this one? This is good, but it's nowhere near the heights that we can get to. I personally really like the ones that are in-game. Yeah. So it scores points for that because the in-game ones tend to be the most excited. I'll give this a six, Ooh, to be honest. Giving, what about well, I'm you? Giving it a, I'm giving it a seven. I'm giving it On a seven. On what basis? So there we go. Well, you know what? That's the end of this first episode. Well, you're not go- going to tell me why it's a seven? Because uh, of the lads in the car park. <laughs> okay. 
Anything that's got a car park scene yeah. in it scores yeah. extra points. It's that, it's that discovery. It's that dream thing where that could be you one day. Do you know what I mean? You could be yeah, a, digging a that. Could be apprentice. me and you, Andy, digging a hole in a car park yeah. in a bit of a panicked state because we've done something we shouldn't have done and we're quickly trying to cover yeah. it up. Right, and in the middle of it, we think we've been caught red-handed, no. and just as our hearts in our mouth, in fact, it turns out to be a brilliant thing because someone's going to offer us the chance to play in a professional football match. There we are, yeah. Mm. And in the next episode, I mean, we've got through one week strip there in one episode, so this could this could turn out to be like Longer actual Roy it. the Rovers, where you've got to wait a week to find out what happens in the next one. Yeah, that's true. Maybe or we buy have the book think... on Amazon. It's up well, to you. All I'd say is this is episode one, and I felt that we, we've, we've given the Canters a lot of context yeah. about Roy the Rovers. A bit back. So you've got to do that. After yeah. this, we will be moving through at a faster pace. I'm sure we will. We'll probably get this done in under 30 episodes, I reckon. Yeah. Um, so that's it for this first one, and we'll be back with another episode from Roy the Rovers very soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.